Welcome to Kanenbaum Podcast, episode number 51. I'm Tom Barthel, glad to be serving as your host for this episode. Also serving as pastor at Christ Lutheran Church, a Wells congregation in Baxter, Minnesota. We'll begin with Moment with the Master, shared by Pastor Aaron Nitz. Greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The portion of God's Word that I wanted to look at you look at with you today is from the Gospel according to Luke chapter 17, verses 3 and 4. And it reads, If your brother sins, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. If he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times comes back to you and says, I repent, forgive him. The apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. Well, what do you think? Would you do that? I mean, would you forgive someone who sins against you seven times in one day? Perhaps that's easier said than done. Well, what about God? How many times do we sin against him just in one day? Seven times? No. More like hundreds or thousands of times just in one day. Should God forgive us? Not at all. But what does God do? He forgives us. Then he forgives us again and again and again. He sent his Son to forgive all our sins, not just some of them, not just a few of them, all of them. So does it take a great faith to forgive others, to forgive myself? No. You see, faith simply looks at what God does and looks at what God says in his word, looks at what God says, all that means, and responds. So, since God sent Jesus to die on a cross, and since God says because of that you're forgiven of every sin, your faith simply responds by forgiving, by forgiving others. Faith rests not on us, but in God, who he is and what he's done, and it simply responds particularly responds by forgiving. I'm thankful for a faithful and forgiving Lord in whom I trust, put all my trust, just like you. God's blessings on your day. Up next we have O Come, O Come, Emmanuel by Branches Band. Until 
God's Word for You, shared by Pastor Timothy Smith. God's Word for You, Job 15, verses 27 to 35. This section doesn't seem at all difficult to understand in English. However, there are a couple of challenges with the Hebrew, and so we'll focus more on a little bit more of the original text than usual. Martin Luther called the Greek and Hebrew languages the sheath in which the Holy Spirit carries the sword of the gospel. Now, not all of our listeners might be equally enthusiastic about these Hebrew details, and you might want to just sort of bear with us until the last paragraph uh, for the application of this passage to our lives. But but bear with me. Verses 27 to 30, first of all. Though his face is covered with fat and his waist bulges with flesh, he will inhabit ruined towns and houses where no one lives, houses crumbling to rubble. He will no longer be rich, and his wealth will not endure, nor will passions or other possessions spread over the land. He will not escape the darkness. A flame will wither his shoots, and the breath of God's mouth will carry him away. The the word in verse 27 for fat, it's another unique word uh, uh, to Job in the Bible. This word, um, sort of uh, uh, pima. It's probably related to an Akkadian word, piamu, that means full or robust. The, the final Hebrew word of verse 29, minle, is troublesome. Uh, uh, an expert in Semitic languages named Mitchell Dahud, who was, oh, he was equally good in Ugaritic, Aramaic, and Hebrew, he suggests that it's a form of the Aramaic word manal, minle to manal, you can kind of see that, which means possessions, although his suggestion does not explain uh, the form that's used here in the Hebrew text. Most translations assume that possessions is correct, since it is parallel to wealth in the first half of the verse. But in general, what Eliphaz is saying, that you look like you should be wealthy, but look around you. There's nothing here. Verses 31 to 34. Let him not deceive himself by trusting what is worthless, for he will get nothing in return. Before his time he will be paid in full, and his branches will not flourish. He will be like a vine stripped of its unripe grapes, like an olive tree shedding its blossoms. For the company of the godless will be barren, and fire will consume the tents of those who love bribes. Well, Eliphaz seems to be making a pun or a kind of a wordplay with the with the phrase paid in full in verse 32. This verse, timale, is very similar to timal, wither, which is what we would expect when talking about some kind of a tree with branches that will not flourish. But the idea of being paid in full or getting your punishment for sin is obviously what Eliphaz is talking about. And a vine without grapes is worthless today, but Eliphaz misses the obvious point that a stripped vine will bear grapes again. So students of Greek who suspect that paid in full could be the term Jesus used on the cross, translated it, it is finished, they'll be disappointed to find out that the Greek translator opted for a different word here, tharezatai, to be ruined, rather than tetelestai, which is what we have in John 19. I'll talk more about that maybe later. The, the presence of these Akkadian and, and really Aramaic uh, words is not unique to this chapter of Job. There are examples actually throughout the whole book. The presence of these words is no more remarkable than the way we use some non-English words in our language today. 
In Job's time, as in now, words often enter into a language from outside because maybe uh, people of another culture have left words behind, especially in nouns like like Los Angeles or Moose or Minnesota or so forth, or because people of another culture have made more recent inroads into a culture with our words like salsa or tango, then there are scientific or philosophical or theological or, or, or medical words that, that, that take on a more universal meaning because of their speciality. Um, our words like suture and bourgeois and cranium or Asperger's are, are all words like that. Or a, a person might wish to sound more worldly and might adopt a foreign or foreign-sounding word, even with incorrect meanings. Um, recently, people have begun to use the, the German term Uber because uh, they, they, uh, they, uh, they, they, they like to sound like they know something. So we're kind of Uber using that word Uber, I think. Or you've got the Greek term hoi polloi, which really means the masses. But I hear it incorrectly used all the time as a synonym for something like uh, hoity-toity or something like that. It really just means common. Here in Job, and the other books where more non-Hebrew words crop up, like Song of Solomon and Proverbs and Ecclesiastes, we have an author with a much larger vocabulary who wasn't afraid to use a rare term of the circumstances and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit gave him, usually Solomon, the opportunity. Verse 35. They conceive trouble and give birth to evil. Their womb fashions deceit. Eliphaz finishes his second speech, he's done now, by accusing Job even more than he did the first time. Simply put, if Job is suffering, then Job must have sinned. But we see Jesus on the cross and have an answer as to whether or not Eliphaz's logic holds up. It just isn't so. Sometimes we suffer because of someone else's sin and not our own. That's certainly the case with Jesus and sometimes the case with maybe all of us. One of the aspects of Job's suffering is the misunderstanding of his friends. That's not Job's sin. Sometimes we have to endure the same trial. Our prayer is that God would give us patience and the gentle but persuasive words to be able to make ourselves understood. But more important, even than people understanding our troubles, of course, is that people understand the work and the love of Jesus in their lives. If I can be picked on, and still have that message, the message of the cross, come across, then God be praised. i got to say something more about tetelestai. That's the, the it is finished word in John 19.30. The Greek term tetelestai does occur once, but only once in the Old Testament Septuagint. It's almost completely absent from most translations, but in the NIV you can just about make it out It's in Ezra chapter 7, verse 12, where the word greetings completes the verse. That's a reflection of tetelestai, which means it is finished, which there in, in Ezra seems to mean something like complete or perfect peace. Uh, the uh, the uh, New American Standard Bible sa- does say perfect peace there. It's a good example of the difficulties of translation where really idioms and figures of speech don't always make a literal word-for-word translation desirable or even possible. 
In Christ, I'm Pastor Tim Smith. This is God's Word for you. This recording of the Magnificat is produced and shared by Koine. My soul proclaims My soul proclaims
You've been listening to Canaan Bound Podcast, episode number 51. We'd like to thank Branches Band and Koine for allowing us to share their music. Visit com for more information on how you can support these artists. This episode was first shared in December of 2013. We encourage you to visit wells.net to find a Wells Ministry location nearest you. Thanks for listening. <laughs>